Greetings, everyone. The Uncommon Dialogue Podcast, episode number six. I'm here with Corey Gil Schuster, who's in Israel right now. I'm in the Detroit area of the United States, where it's very late night for me, but it's morning time for Corey. Corey, thanks for doing this to me. I'm happy to be on. All right. Um, just for my viewers who don't know who you are, I know who you are because I've been watching your videos for quite a while now. Uh, what's your background and why did you start the Ask Project? Okay, so I am Canadian. Uh, I grew up in Canada, lived most of my life in Canada. Uh, I moved to Israel uh, when I was about 20. Um, uh, on, I sort of went back and forth on and off. I was married to an Israeli. We're now divorced. It's okay. Um, so I've been living in Israel for over 20 years over the last 30 year period. But um, I studied conflict resolution uh, on one of the times we went back to Canada and I wanted to work in something related to the conflict, uh, but something that suited who I am as a person, because I tend to be sarcastic and say all kinds of, you know, inappropriate things. And I, I'm, as a friend of mine said, I'm, uh, I'm very good at talking about the elephant in the room that nobody likes to talk about. I'm always like, well, why aren't we talking about that? I, I don't understand. I'm a little oblivious. Um, so I, years and years ago, I think it was 2012, somebody made a comment because uh, I was involved in Facebook arguments and online arguments like uh, about Israelis. Sorry? Like everyone else. Like everyone else. <laughs> and of course, they had been in Israel for five days and they thought they knew everything. And they were claiming things about Israelis. Now, you can claim things about Palestinians because I didn't really know them very well. But, but Israelis, I know. And the things they were claiming were not exactly true. And they would always have a YouTube video or a Haaretz article. It was always from Haaretz, no matter what side they were on. Um, and I would say, yeah, but that's, you know, that's fringe. That's, that's not what most people think. And then somebody said, what are you going to do? Go ask people, do like a, a, like a survey? And I thought, well, wait, I have a video camera. Why am I not recording the conversations I have with people? And it just hit me that the easiest thing to do is ask people to give me questions. Um, so the, the asking of a question limits what we can talk about because people here can just go on and on and on. It'll never end and you'll, you'll never figure out what's going on. But if you limit it by a question and you try to get them to give you two or three minutes of an answer, uh, it gives you a picture of what they think about a specific issue. Um, and then, of course, you don't want just one person. You want you know, eight to 10 people just to get a sense because you can't have it be 100 people because it's just too long. And to try to do it as geographically uh, uh, varied as possible, as many groups as possible. Just get a, a sense of what the different groups think. Doesn't give you a 100% picture of what's going on. So if we ask, do you want peace? And you know, seven people said yes and three people said no. It doesn't mean 70% of Israelis think this. It just gives you a sense with some context of what they're talking about. So I might use the word peace and then I'll, they say, no, I don't want peace. I go, well, what does that mean to you? What do you mean you don't want peace? And they'll say, no, no, we're afraid or we're, it gives context. It doesn't necessarily, because the way we, when we ask questions, we have an idea of what all those terms refer to. And people might hear the question in a very different way that it's intended or mean different things and use different ideas in their head. So the whole point is, if possible, in two to three minute answer, try to get as much information as possible. That's the idea. And it's all uh, user, uh, viewer generated questions. 
and everything I uh, film is in there. Everything. I've started new questions because we went on a tangent because I thought, well, this is good. I got to keep it in somehow. So I looked up and somebody asked about that. So that's one of those things I noticed myself actually watching your videos as far back as maybe 2018, just out of curiosity, I was scrolling through YouTube and I don't have a particular connection to either side or the other myself. Um, but I've always found the, the relationship and the conflict interesting because I find that maybe a lot of Palestinians and Israelis have a lot more in common if they actually just hear the type of answers that are that they're giving, which a lot of times... In some ways, we're a lot alike. We're mirror reflections of each other through the lens of very different cultures. So what, what triggers one side doesn't trigger the other and vice versa. So, yes. Yeah, I mean, one of the first videos I ever saw that I can remember was, would you invite a Palestinian friend over for Shabbat dinner? Or would you ever invite a Israeli friend for Iftar dinner? And the answers varied widely. But overwhelmingly, I found that people are willing to actually listen to what you had to say, like, well, why not? Would you ever consider if you had a friend? And I think once they calmed down and just stopped and thought about it, they're like, you know what? I don't see why not. Yep. And I remember sitting here thinking, this guy is actually doing something really good that's important, which is just getting people to stop and think and not react and instead just respond to yep. act. This is a very, I mean, this is true of all places in conflict, but this is a very emotional or emotion driven region. So, and that happens in all conflicts. I can't, you know, you can't say that's not true everywhere, but here people are emotional about everything. And so you often get an emotional reaction. And then once they calm down, you can dig deeper. Now, if I had the time, if I sat, even with those people who just don't seem to give up on, I hate them, whoever they are, whatever it is, you could probably keep digging and maybe get to, okay, but if they did X, Y, Z, then things would be better. You probably could, but I don't have time to do that, so. But you, you at least get a sense of how deep, or a sense of the cultures and how deep those, those angers are and, uh, uh, and what they're willing to, or how they're willing to think about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I come from a background where it is very similar, where the people are more emotionally charged and my parents are immigrants themselves. I don't know how I'm this calm and very like reserved myself. I don't know how. I don't get it from either side. And it just happened to have been that way. Okay. The Ameri- it's the American Americanism rubbing off on you. It, it just might be, honestly. But where where are your parents from? They're Chaldean Catholics from Iraq. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes, I've met I've met some here, yeah. meaning uh, coming on like pilgrimage type thing, like uh, to to go to churches years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So. It's why I actually know a little bit of Hebrew. I've always just been interested in the Hebrew language because I speak Aramaic. Really yes, very similar. Yeah, yeah, they're very similar. Aramaic predates Hebrew. And there's portions of the Torah that it's actually in Aramaic. They are in Aramaic, yes, because yeah. Jews spoke Aramaic at one point. So, yes. Um, but regardless, so my parents are immigrants from the Middle East, and Middle Eastern people in general, whether they're Catholic, Muslim, or even Jewish, they're just emotionally charged. It's just... It's in the blood. That's what I say all the time. I don't know how, like I said, I'm this calm, but it does strike me as odd, though, that seeing people of like such varying degrees of 
rationales yet agree on so much what from different perspectives i mean it's i i get why so many palestinians believe what they believe but i think if they were to really question themselves and say or really ask rather do many israelis believe what they believe as strongly as i believe what i believe and i think if they could come to that conclusion of yes then they would say all right i need to start listening again and maybe just take another moment just to actually like extend an olive branch out to them. It's, it's hard when you're in an active conflict or the perception of an active conflict. There's a, there's a couple of elements here. First of all, they have leaders who are constantly telling them both sides that you're in an active conflict. You are in an active conflict and there are injustices that happen. Those also, those injustices, I'm giving you a very short version, by the way, those injustices get amplified and exaggerated in everybody's mind. So, well, like what's going on now with Sheikh Jarrah? We're talking about 20 families. And in a way, you're thinking, okay, oh, it's only 20 families. Come on. Uh, and it's also a legal issue. There's a legal and a moral issue, and each side is right in one of those, and it doesn't matter. Um, but it's a microcosm of the whole, of, of everything that's happened in the last 100 years. So people take one aspect of just 20 families, and they think it's the end of the world, because in some ways it reflects other things that happened or will happen or happen now in other places. But a lot of that gets amplified. And I say this as, as a Jew, I mean, this is one of the reasons I'm very interested in conflict is that I come from a family of Jews where we think everyone is against us 100% of the time. They want to kill us. We go to the supermarket. Everyone's a Nazi. We're sure of it. We're absolutely sure of it. And I'm like, kind of like you with your, your, your parents. I'm the opposite. I'm like, I don't see any anti-Semitism. In Canada, this was in Canada when I lived in Canada. Um, so I was always interested. Why do these people see the world this way as a dangerous place and everyone's against us? And so that's how I see both Palestinians and Israelis thinking, each for their own historical reasons. Um, but the, the, the core of it is real. I'm not saying it's not, there isn't anti-Semitism. I'm not saying there isn't anti-Palestinian-hood here. Um, these, uh, these elements exist but they get so exaggerated in each group's mind. And then the leaders and the people take advantage of that to create an identity. It's a, a way of, it's a psychological mechanism to say, this is who I am. That's a whole other thing. Um, so it, it just, it does, it makes everything worse. And if, if we could all relax, if everyone could smoke up a little, I don't even smoke, but if everyone could smoke up a little and relax, you would see we actually, I mean, people do see it day to day. We have things in common. I just bought coffee from a Palestinian. Uh, this was, 10 minutes ago on my way in, uh, well, half an hour ago. Um, we, we relate to each other day to day, but then we go back to our communities and it becomes the microcosm of they're against us, they hate us, we hate them. That's one of the things I realized over the last maybe few days is that with the point that you said that the leaders take advantage of the emotions almost, mm -hmm. where it's almost like they basically make the emotion the identity itself and i i sit here in america never really been to the middle east myself i would love to go one day but i just don't see myself going anytime it's 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 great fun <laughs> I, i've heard yeah i and i do want to go but i think with the travel restrictions pertaining to COVID, it just it's, it's a little difficult right now it, it'll end i mean we're we're already post-covid which is so bizarre but yeah it's, it's very new. It'll end in the U.S. It'll end. Yeah, but being here in the, in the States and watching from the outside in, 
and understanding why the resentments build up in terms of the emotional aspect and why the emotion just became the sole identity of it rather than just excusing all thought processes and yeah. all together. Yeah. And I sit here and think like, isn't there a future outcome where you just want to say, this is what I don't want to happen. This is where I don't want to be or some path along those lines. I need to not do this and not get so sucked in emotionally. Yeah. It's very hard, mostly at a high emotion time where uh, on the Israeli side, you're, you're being uh, bombed with rockets all the time. On the Palestinian side, you're, if you're in Gaza, it's awful. If you're not in Gaza as a Palestinian, you feel your entire people is under attack. You feel it's, it, it's genocide. And, and, and each side doesn't even understand the other because to each side, it all seems ridiculous to the other side what's going on. So it, it's, uh, you can't really do a lot during high emotion times. It's when things calm down, but then this is the stupidity of human beings. When things are calmer, we don't take advantage of that. And we don't um, work towards uh, resolutions because it's not so bad. So why would we need to, we need to be pushed into it is, is the, the short version. You need the U S and Egypt and UAE to come along and say, guys, get it together. This is enough. Like, yeah. Figure out a solution. I talked about this with a friend of mine recently, and I, I may have mentioned it in one of my earlier podcast episodes, because my podcast is still relatively young. Your episode number six mm -hmm. is that there's a difference between reaction and responding. And a reaction is just that pure, impulsive, just go and then think about it after. A response is just stopping and thinking about things as they're as they're basically happening and weighing the options and looking at the consequences of what action are you going to take and just saying like all right what consequences am i willing to accept and what where are the costs that go along with those consequences and i just don't think a lot of people i'm going to be a little biased here which is odd for me as being a middle eastern american is that I don't think enough Palestinians do that because they're, from my perspective, from what I've seen over the last like five to eight days, is the amount of reaction and emotional charged response just makes me think, well, have you just stopped and thought about, I mean, what do you want, you know, like, what do you want accomplished? And it's like, well, you just want the process to occur. But you don't know what the consequences are. Of well, and also there's lots of slogans that are thrown around like free Palestine and save shift or or something like that. And uh, let's say it's free Palestine. That's an easier one. It's so general to each person. It means a completely different thing. To some people, it means getting rid of all Jews here. To some people, it means living with Jews. To some people, it means Palestinian rights. To some people, it means a two-state solution. What does this all mean? People speak in these slogans, but they're not very specific. And that's part of how we get into trouble is when we're not specific enough because yeah, well, everybody's working towards something else. When one or they don't know. I suspect most Palestinians don't even really know. What they're saying. I know what they want. Obviously, they want certain freedoms. They want to have rights and they want this to end. I get that, obviously, but it's the how. What? What is that? And I, not that Israelis really know what they want either. I mean, it's just, it's just more westernized here and uh, uh, more educated and a little more uh, better economics. But 
it, it's a similar just working through emotions. That's really, it's, I mean, both sides are doing it. There's no long-term goals for any of them other than dreams. People have dreams. So the Palestinians believe this is all Palestine. The Israelis believe it's all Israel. Okay, so what do you do with the other? I keep, that's why I keep going back to in the videos. Okay, great. You, this is all Palestine. What, what happens to the Jews? And you see people who live 30 kilometers from Jews will go, just look at me and go, what do you mean? Oh, I never thought of that. I don't know. I guess they go back where they came from. I mean, you go back where they came from. They've been here for 100 years. Where are they going back? To what? You know, I asked this question over the weekend on an Instagram post, which was, how do you even determine what countries that Israelis go back to when you have so many Israelis that have different ethnic origins from either, either and most where, are mixed. Either, yeah, either where their parents were from, which is becoming more rare now just because of the longevity of Israel being there, or where their grandparents are from and intermarried with another ethnic group. That's mo almost everybody here. So uh, to, first of all, there's the whole idea that we Jews believe we're from here and there's even genetic uh, um, proof that we are from the earth, at least partially. Obviously, we intermix with a lot of different groups, as everyone did. Palestinians did too. There's no ethnic Palestinianness. It's a mixture of different groups, exactly like Jews. Um, and besides that, Israelis today, there's very few Israelis who are pure of something that they came from, uh, you know, 70 years ago or 100 years ago. Very, very few. So where are they going back to? Plus, do we do that? Is in America? Are, do Native Americans get to say? You, I'm sorry, you have to go back to Iraq. Oh, I'm sorry, Italian slash Irish slash Scottish slash whatever American. You have to go back. Do we, is that something that happens? That doesn't happen anywhere. So why, why even have these ridiculous arguments? Why, why not deal with the situation as it is? That's, well, that's why I asked the question. It's like, well, if somebody is 25% equally of different ethnicities, how do you even determine which one to pick? That's me. I'm 25% of different European, different European country heritages. Their grandparents were of different European heritages. We've traveled all that back to this place where I am in Israel. Yeah. Um, and before that, who knows? I just did a you know, genetic test, just curiosity. So, but that's, uh, that's, but that's everyone in the world. Yeah. And people think in today in, in, in nation states, uh, we don't throw people out of nation states. Sorry, that's not the way the world works anymore. And I agree that's true of the Palestinians too. That why, why, would, I, why would we think that way? I know it's, it's this emotional reaction of thinking that this is justice. That's not justice. Justice is creating fairness for all. Yeah, it's really justice under how you just explained it is a Western value, but I don't think a lot of Palestinians understand the fullness of Western. Oh, so wait, and that was the other thing. And you as a Middle Easterner, you, you, you understand this. This is a very tribal region. And by tribal, I'm gonna call it Arab. I'll call that Arab mentality. Right, and I don't mean Arab Muslim, and I don't mean Christian and Jew, and 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 uh, all the others in all the other groups. Uh, I, I I mean all of them, and they're all on a spectrum of how uh, much they culturally believe in this uh, this idea of tribalism. So the Jews here um, in Israel are sixty percent of Middle Eastern heritage, uh, meaning grandparents came from Yemen and Iraq and Morocco and whatever, uh, or were here for for hundreds of years or a thousand years, they think the same way. They think they're very Western. Suddenly there's conflict. Suddenly it's my tribe against their tribe, exactly like the Palestinians. They might not use violence in the exact same way, or they might use violence through the army as a surrogate, 
because um, that's that's what happens in a, in a state where uh, where we have an army and compared to a, a non-state actor that doesn't have an army. Um, but it's the same dynamics of this is my, and if you, you, you probably, your listeners aren't following what's going on in mixed cities of Lod and Akko and Jaffa, there are little, uh, um, little, they're like little mafias, groups of Jews and Arabs who are trying to kill each other. Neighbors who used to like each other are, are now, we've turned into Lebanon. Um, it's getting quieter, but this is the thing that scares me much more. It's that Middle Eastern Arab mentality um, of, and I, again, I don't mean Muslims or Palestinians, I mean everybody here, uh, of um, we are tribal, it is my group against your group. And we are not, even though there is a West, because the, the founders of Israel were European, much more Western oriented in that sense of, of not, maybe not democracy exactly, but of, uh, of enlightened edu- of edu- enlightenment and, um, and secularism. Um, but that is not who the Israelis are of today. That is not who, uh, the, that is not one out, sadly. I wish it was. I noticed that myself and a lot of the readings I've done over the last few years is that Israel is founded and intended to be a Western nation in a region of the world where Western values are at minimum not wanted and at most looked at with absolute disdain and hatred. Yes. And yet, yes. and yet the very nation that was founded upon those principles went from that to basically what you're saying now is on its way to the opposite of that. Well, no, I think it always was. It's just these things come up. And as we, we tend to mirror each other, so the more, I, I, man, I don't even know who to, there's no blame, but we tend to become more alike as we spend more time with each other. So even the Jews who are like me came from European heritage. I mean, I'm very Canadian because I grew up in Canada, but Jews who are fourth generation here from Poland, you know, mixed with others, they tend to act very Middle Eastern now too. So not all, but yeah, you have that. You have people who it's, it's you know, go out and think, I got to beat up this other group because I got to show them who's boss. It's so odd because I... I look wise, I would if I were to go there, I would fit in. You look ex- you look exactly Israeli or Palestinian. Yeah. You look this, yeah. The same. But if you were to, if they were to see me walk around and how I talk and whatnot, they're like, man, this guy is a full blown American right here. Well, they would assume you're like an American Jew or American Palestinian. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't even know what to make of it. I, it. And then when you said you're Chaldean, I think that's how yeah. you. That was the point I wanted to touch upon is that a lot of my Jewish friends here that I went to college with in the States and are almost entirely of European ancestry. Because yes. America is mostly Ashkenazi, mostly, yes. Yeah. Well, I've met the occasional Israeli one, and they've told me that ethnically, being Chaldean, I'm more closer to Israeli. Yeah. In, yes. yes, 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 absolutely. Yeah. That was my shock coming here as a Canadian Jew, thinking, what the hell is this? This is the Middle East. This is not what I expected. Yeah. But when I tell American Jews about the foods that they think are Jewish, don't even exist here, um, it's all Middle Eastern. I just remembered a funny video. I just, right now that you mentioned the food part was, you talk to some Mizrahi Jews and you ask them, what's wrong with Ashkenazim? And I guess one of them said- A lot of them said. <laughs> yeah. And I agree 100%. The food, 
Food is awful. It has no taste. No taste. It, 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 luckily, the Mizrahi, the Arab side won in the cultural battle, and it happened in the late 80s, early 90s. We yes, and I'm happy to. for it. We just have to. Yes. The food, their food is much better. I was married to someone who's Yemenite and Kurdish. Uh, 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 yes, hands down, they beat us. Yes. I, I in warmth and in family life, yes, absolutely. I tried to fill to fish once. And I told myself, never, ever the hell again. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's... <laughs> so I will say it's odd for me, you know, ethnically, I'm more closer and in line with Israel. Israelis. Yeah, I think it's true. And I think a lot of even Christians in Israel or in the Palestinian territories, even though they're much more pro-Palestinian, they're, they're much, and Lebanon, actually, that's the, that's the irony. Lebanese Christians and Muslims, um, other than extremists, are very similar to Israelis, very yeah. similar, similar in culture, mentality. Yeah, but it's just, um, the other point I want to talk about was culturally, and I do speak Arabic as well, fluently, and I do understand the resentments that the Palestinians have, but I also agree with why Jews admire Israel so much and feel that it's actually a deed to them, because that for someone like me, whose parents are Chaldean, that technically we don't have our own nation state. I mean, granted, my parents are from Northern Iraq, but if you were to go to regions of Iran or Syria or Turkey and meet refugees in Lebanon, people come to find that Chaldeans don't have our own separate nation state, really. It's the same thing with Kurds. So it's like, you know, I actually agree with both sides about this, but I personally myself don't know whose side to take. I you don't have to take a side though. That's the thing. Go, everybody listening, come here, spend an equal amount of time with both. You don't have to like them. You don't have to agree with them. It's not about that. But if you want to know, if you're interested, go spend time with them. Ask them questions. And I would say even more, challenge both sides. Don't be afraid to challenge both sides. Yeah. If you think Israelis are full of shit, if you think Palestinians are full of shit, Say it. I think it's fine. I say it all the time. I'm constantly yelling at people here. You should hear me. Everyone thinks I'm a lunatic on the bus because they weren't wearing their masks properly. So, oh, dude, believe me, no joke. We, some people here haven't worn masks for months, and they just are like, "Well, I'm not getting vaccinated, and I'm just gonna act like COVID doesn't exist anymore." And that's well, it. you know, go for it. What can I tell you? <laughs> it's Darwinian. Maybe that'll. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I don't understand people. But um, it, it, I will say one thing that has bothered me is that I have a lot of Jewish friends of mine that I've noticed that are more on, along the lines of the politically progressive side of American yeah. politics have been a little more vocal in, I don't want to say complete support of what side the Palestinians are on in terms of this conflict, but just maybe a little bit more open to their sympathies. Yeah, it's a very liberal Jewish thing. So liberal um, American Jews have been for the last hundred and something years are very influenced by this idea of tikkun olam and being uh, doing uh, repairing the world and being very good and and which is funny because that doesn't even exist here. So it's it is it's an element in Judaism that it exists. But it's interesting how different Jewish communities have 
focused on different parts of Judaism or Jewish culture uh, um, or Jewish history um, based on their own needs. And um, I kind of wish that existed here more because I think it would be better, but it's also very naive. That's not all of Judaism. Judaism is I mean, it's a complex religion and society and just like Palestinian society is, comp is complicated and complex. So yes, you get people siding with the underdog. That's a very common liberal Jewish thing, yes. Outside, yeah. and here too, I should, I'd say. There's a, there's a small minority. They're, they're now in their 80s and they're probably gonna be dead in the next 10 years, unfortunately, but there is, a, there is that minority here as well. Yeah. I, I don't know what to make of it because I think, well, if you're siding with the tactically and strategically weaker side, which is a Palestinian side. Mm -hmm. I mean, what what expl explanation could they give for this like this nation of Israel to say like, well, you know, because you're stronger, you're the bad guy. It's like, well, you know, the capacity of strength doesn't doesn't necessarily determine moral standing. That's a question I've yeah, been. I would agree. I would agree. I think it has to do with with actual acts, not about. Not, not about these, but people can't think in complexity or they don't know or they hear that's another issue of the media what you're being told is not exactly what happens here i i hear the reports in all the different countries about what happens not just now but other times and each one is completely different and none of it really reflects what what's going on it's just a, a slice of based on uh, uh that that news person's worldview um, it, and that is actually more of an element. People come in, they don't know enough about the history, they don't know enough about, they don't know the language, they don't know the culture, and they're interpreting a lot of what's going on through their own lens and telling you what to think about it. And that's one of the reasons I do this also, is you at least hear from the people. I don't agree with Israelis, I don't agree with Palestinians, but at least hear how they, because you have to deal with that in conflict, you have to deal with how the people see things. So the media gets on my nerves. They don't really understand the complexities of um, either side and they take a stand. And I don't think that's helpful. I don't think, I don't see that as helpful at all. No, it's definitely not. I mean, and I say that as a person, I love when people support me. Isn't that wonderful? They all think I'm great. Yeah. But is that going to help anyone? It doesn't. It's shallow. It's meaning. It means meaningful in the sense of uh, if I, I, I get it when people are talking about Palestinians and they're the underdog and, and they've suffered because they want something to change for them. They want there not to be this disparity in power and for people to be living decent lives. And I want that too. Um, so on the one hand, getting all this attention is great for Palestinians. I'm happy for them. I, I actually agree that they should get a lot of attention, but not at the co cost of um, misinformation, not at the cost of misunderstanding what's going on here. And I think each side, I mean, we can't even agree on between the two sides what's going on here. And then getting other people involved gets way too complicated. So I don't think it's helpful. I fully agree with you about the media thing. This is one of the reasons why I, I'm going to follow it up with a statement, but this is one of the reasons why I don't read or pay attention to the New York lies or the Washington compost anymore, because that's exactly what they are. It's literally lies and compost that they're just feeding all the time. Well, they all have some, some grain of truth in it. It's not that it's completely, but it's just... I, I, there's so there's so much spin and there's so much it has to do with giving a good story and people reading it and 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 the and the because I, I I've had people I know a lot of reporters from different countries 
And I'm amazed by, by the crap that they, they churn out, that they will look for a, a story based on their own views. They will, the people have come to me saying, give me a Jew, uh, give me, sorry, a Jew who agrees with Palestinian because I want to do a whole uh, article about some, some aspect that hasn't existed in 80 years, but we believe it's true. That's not what he said, but that's what I'm, I'm interpreting because they want to do a story because it makes their readers happy. And this was in a Middle Eastern country. Um, because they want to, oh, I even remember once being with someone at Al Jazeera, I don't know the, I don't know the reporter, but I was with somebody who was helping me translate in Tel Aviv and their question to Sudanese um, uh, asylum seekers who live in Tel Aviv was, this is the question, how do the Jews abuse you? That's the question. And I'm like, what are you talking about? This is guys, my neighbor, like, what are you talking about? So people look for this stuff. And and the same exists in the pro-Israel camp. So I I both equally roll my eyes at. I just, this one, this, the anti-Israel stuff affects me more, but you know, but it's equally wrong. I mean, I'll I'll say on a side note, before the events of this conflict occurring right now, as we tape this on May 20th, 2021, (laughs) I actually had planned on like, messaging you a few weeks ago prior to all of this happening and just asking you about the ask project itself and talking with you about it because i think it's important that people just learn that people can think that you don't need the news agencies or the corporate press basically feeding all the answers or coming up coming up with the outlandish questions that really aren't even fair to ask another person because there's just how do you even start an answer by being asked a question like the one you just told me right now? Well, and I, I, I and actually, uh, the questions I get are just as ridiculous. And, but I ask them, but I'm not asking one person. I'm asking many people and each, and, and people here, Israelis and Palestinians, are able to say, mostly when something that challenges their narrative, they're going to say, what's this crap? Like, why are you even asking me such a stupid question? And actually, I'm usually happy when they do. Because I don't agree with half the questions that I that I ask either, um, but I'm not doing. I'm doing it to see whether or not it's true, and so sometimes they'll stare at me and I'll say, "Do you think the question is fair, or is that what you think?" And then and let them answer. Let them say whatever they have to say. I wish more people here in the states were a lot more skeptical, or just as skeptical as people over there were. It seems like skepticism over there is a lot more. Um, common yeah but also there's those those dynamics exist here too about the other about ourselves i mean they exist this is human nature um i I, you know i just ask that we get to as close to what we think is happening as possible because in the end we have to deal with the actual conflict and if the conflict is not according to what the americans think or the swedish swedes think or the egyptians think it's up to the israelis and palestinians just like in iraq all the different groups, they're the ones who have to deal with each other, not, not the U.S. Has anybody ever gotten back to you, like, after you posted a video that you talked to yourself and said, I'm glad that this made it to YouTube? Or has, there any, has anybody ever reached out to you after? Well, I get more of, take me down, I find this embarrassing. And interestingly enough, it's almost always the nice answers. Like, it's just the idea that they're on YouTube, just the idea of, that their friends saw them. Um, I just had an Arab Israeli woman contact me. I mean, the video has been up for about three years 
and she didn't even realize that she was in it. And all she said was like, she said something very benign. Um, but she was like, take me out. And I'm like, okay, if I have to, I have to. I mean, I'll take you know, people out. Um, rarely do I get, no, I don't think, uh, I once was threatened by an Israeli Jew to be beaten up because he thought what I was doing was traitorous. He didn't understand exactly, or he interpreted what I do as being traitorous. And then he checked out the channel and then he wrote, and he actually threatened to beat me up. He actually said, I could take you out and back here and beat the crap out of you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but could you answer the question? <laughs> I'm very dumb. Um, and uh, after I thought about it, I thought I should have called the police. Uh, he wrote me and said, I have ideas for your channel. And I'm like, that's very Middle Eastern. It's so mafia here. <laughs> like, hey, I'm going to ask, give the recommendations after I threaten to beat you up. <laughs> yes, exactly. He thinks we're now going to get together over coffee. And he's going to help me guide my channel. <laughs> Piece of crap. Um, but yeah, um, no, I don't get much. Uh, and I prefer not to even know, you know, what people think. I just, I, I like doing what I do. And then, you know, I don't want to be recognized. I don't want to be, uh, you know, people to say, oh, I'm in your video. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, yeah it's fine. Okay. And it's good. No, I walk around. Most people have no idea who I am. It's fine. Absolutely. It's better that way. Yeah, yeah I agree. I, I got to ask the obligatory question then when it comes to YouTube. Do you ever read through the comments? No, 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 no. Never, 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 never read comments. Ever. Um, I, I, the beginning, eight years ago, I read the comments thinking, oh, people will give me constructive criticism. Corey, you're holding the camera wrong because I don't know what I'm doing. Corey, you're editing. You need to improve this. Corey, you need, like, or the question, oh, you should phrase it in a different way. And, and it's just a bunch of idiots on both sides oh. throwing, throwing poop at each other. They're monkeys throwing poop. That's all they are. And I just stopped reading after a while because it's, it's ridiculous. So sometimes someone will send me a screenshot if it's like really important or it's funny. And I don't mind funny, that, that I can handle, that, that doesn't bother me. I don't even mind insults, uh, you know, I, I probably deserve it. I act like a dick half the time. Um, but no, it's, it's better. And, and it's interesting, every comment, I can I think of, you know, 10 other people who said something the opposite all the time. So everyone thinks that I'm pro-Israel, pro-Palestine, anti-Israel, anti-Palestine. Um, it's all about me trying to get views, me trying to, what are, what are the other ones? I don't, I don't even remember half of them. And I just like half of, almost every time what they say, I'm like, I don't even understand what you're talking about. I'm 50 years old. You think I know how to use Instagram? Like people will, will make, say, ah, I see on Instagram, you're using it in this devious Jewish way. And I'm like, what is a devious Jewish way? And I don't even know what I'm doing on Instagram. I have no idea what I'm doing. No clue. <laughs> so it's very funny, the, the comments that I, people uh, attribute to. Oh, I, even better. There was one where I, I blurred out at the very beginning, I blurred out these guys' faces because I think they were about 17, 16. So I wasn't sure what the legality is on you know, underage people, but they were saying such stupid things and I was arguing with them or whatever. And I thought, I don't know what the legality is, so I'm just gonna blur them, right? So I use YouTube blurring technology. Now it turns out it's not very good, so their face moves a little bit, so you can see part of their face. Yeah. And of course, that I did read, that was near the beginning. Ah, uh, Corey did it on purpose, he blurred them out, so he looks good, like meaning Corey looks like he's doing the right thing, but then he unblurred it at certain points, and I'm like, are you an idiot? It's YouTube, I don't do this. 
Or people will contact me saying, I keep being spammed by your videos on YouTube. And I'm like, speak to Mr. YouTube I, or Mr. Google. I don't control your algorithm. I don't have that. People think I have this power. I do not have any of this. Sorry. I don't even know what I'm doing half the time. Yeah, you're just some guy. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> just asking questions. I'm a dick with a camera walking around asking smart ass questions, trying to be semi-respectful, but at the same time talking about the elephant in the room. That's it. That's all it is. And if you don't believe me, please come here. I will take you with me. Oh, and I'm then you can argue with people. I will go with you. No joke. And you can argue with whoever pisses you off. I have no issue with that. <laughs> I mean, I don't think a lot of people argue with me once they see that, like, I'm 205 and six foot two and pretty built. They're going to be like, okay, you know what? No, they will. They'll argue. Everyone here argues. You know the Middle Easterners. They love to argue. Yeah, that's, true. <laughs> that's fine. And it's all legitimate and it's okay. And, you know, they get, and yet people get offended. Whatever. I don't, that I don't take seriously. I mean, I wish people didn't get offended so easily like they do now. That's the problem. It's, yeah, we get way too offended for, for everything. I get yelled at all the time, but asking these questions. I, I, don't even, I gotta say, like, you describing people just as monkeys throwing poop at each other over the internet, probably the nicest yeah. thing I've ever heard anybody that's got some fucking trolls on, on YouTube. Awful. I don't understand it. I mean, I, I get it because I read stuff on Facebook every so often. And I go, oh, God damn it. They don't know what they're talking about. And I turn into my, my mother. That's how my mother is. So, um, and, but what's the point? Half the time I'm misunderstanding what they're saying or I'm, I'm thinking of it in the wrong way than they intended. And then I realize that after we got to relax. We all have to relax. The, the social media is not helping me. And it's funny because I work in, I do this in social media. I don't know if it's helping. So I, but I, I figure having lots of um, views, not just one view, variety of views shows complexity. That's, you know, how I rationalize it to myself. Has there ever, and I'd rather know what people think. That's. I, I just thought of this question right now. I didn't have it written down for myself or anything, but I just thought of it. Has there ever any been, or has there ever been anybody, Palestinian or Israeli, um, that you ask a question to and you almost knew right away based on the first few words that they are too extreme for you to put on YouTube? No, nope. everyone's there. Oh. That's no, nope. if it, I mean, I, if part of me, the person who's thinking about, wow, this could go viral is thinking if there is an extremist, that's a better thing. But then I, I don't look for extremists um, per, uh, um, because I don't want this to turn into something of, you know, I'm showing the worst of both sides. Yeah. It's supposed to be random. Mm -hmm. I get an extremist. It hurts me every time. If it's anti-Israel, it hurts me because I'm a Jew. Uh, if it's anti-Palestinian, it hurts me because I'm a humanist. Um, so inside, I'm like, I have a pain in my stomach and I try not to let my show, emotions show too much, but it's still, it has to be in there because it's part of the story, part of the story. The racism on both sides is part of the story. Interestingly enough, it doesn't happen. You can see in the videos, it's not quite as, I mean, it isn't like, you know, people said, I think people have commented, this is like watching a, sh a zoo of animals yell at each other. And it kind of is, but it's not quite as extreme as I sometimes expect, considering the questions. Yeah. Um, say, like, it's it, it does come up. No, everything's there. Everything is absolutely there. 
Now, I will say credit to you is that when you do ask some of the more difficult questions, which I've watched on your YouTube videos, you ask them with such a sincerity that the person, and you could almost see it in their face, like they're like about to snap, but then they realize like he's actually asking me very sincerely. Yeah. 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 Just he wants an honest and like a yes. very calm answer. And then yes. they realize they're like, okay. And some of the questions you've asked were like, I'm like, man, I think to myself, he's really pushing the envelope. Yeah. Some of them are painful for me to ask. Yeah. I give you a lot of credit for, for being as tough as you are to like ask those questions and to hear some of the answers back. Well, I figure it's not to be sensationalistic. It's also, for example, the, the question years ago I asked um, Israelis, why do you treat the Palestinians the way the Nazis treated the Jews? I had a pain in my stomach asking. Mostly I was asking people who probably were children of Holocaust survivors. Um, because I asked it because it's such a common idea out there, and mostly in the Arab and Muslim world, but also in the lefty world, that I, somebody has to talk about this. Why are we talking about this? So it's painful for me to ask. It hurts. Um, I felt like I kind of victimized people in a way. I do. It's also to Palestinians when I'm asking them about their obsession with victimhood. I, I, as some Palestinian, it's in one of the videos where Corey gets shit from a Palestinian, I think it's called. Um, he's saying it's like you're asking a rape victim. Describe it to me. What, how do I really believe this? And I even agree in a certain extent. I just don't think, I think we need to be able to talk about these things. I think it's very important to be able to bring these and to be challenged. It doesn't, because everyone becomes very self-absorbed and we need to be challenged in our, in our self-absorption. Is it real? Is it not? It's, it's somewhere in the middle is really, I think, the truth um, where people get too self-obsessed, but there is a very definite core to it, which is real. Um, but we should all be um, questioned about these things always. So yeah, I mean, that's I, what I do. Over the weekend, I, there's a popular like Instagram page on Instagram I follow that I left an open question and I asked it honestly was, would people here be truly okay and fine if Israel to announce that, okay, we're going to disarm and not and cease, you know, military operations for a period of time? Would everybody be okay with it? And people were saying, like, with optimism, like, it would be great in a perfect world, but it's just not going to happen. I think to myself, like, do you want that though? It's, you can't get a straight answer for some of the people. I mean, it's, on social media, people can just say whatever they want and then maybe mean it elsewhere. And it's all theoretical, but in real world, that's not how things work. Unfortunately, I wish we could. I wish yeah. it would happen. But it's I not really. that like the truth is probably somewhere in the middle and people really need to, especially now more than ever, just be willing to just listen to each other and just talk. I mean, I've always been a fan. And be, with, yeah. and be willing to be compassionate towards people you don't necessarily agree with or don't like. I mean, we have I, to do that. I mean, I said a joke to a friend of mine today who's like 0% connected to the, this thing that's going on there right now because she lives in Miami and is Hispanic and 0%. And I told her a funny joke. I was like, honestly, she started laughing too. The only way 
I think you'd ever see like all Israelis and all Palestinians like shake hands and say, hey, I got your back, bro. Would be as if you saw like a fucking spaceship appear out of the sky. Oh, even <laughs> I don't know, man. We'd probably blame each other for, for it. Spaceship came because of you. Um, it, interestingly enough, I mean, you guys see it in sort of a simplistic light. There are lots of relations between Palestinians and Israelis, at least within Israel, even in the settlements. Every so often, I'm like, I encounter this strange formation of Palestinians and Israelis who do get along. Now, they don't go back to their people and talk about it very much, or the Israelis do more because... Could you describe a, a, like a moment that you had seen where they got along perfectly fine? I was in uh, uh, Jaffa, uh, this is years ago, it's in a video, and I'm talking to I, one of the... I love a bunch of older men. I call them the grumpy old men. I don't even ask for their names. I just call them... The grumpy video men. they were all drunk in? I don't know if they were drunk, but no, that was a different one. I think you're thinking about that was a There's one in Jaffa. And it turns out I'm asking questions about Arabs and Jews and blah, blah, blah. And then one of them is actually is Arab. And at some point it comes up and he was actually the funniest one. Um, he's like, I, like, I'm asking, why don't we have peace? And he picks up his phone and he goes, hello, why don't we have peace? And that sort of thing. And I didn't realize that he's actually Arab. Sometimes I'll have conversations with people and not realize that they're the opposite people. And I'm asking them based on an assumption. So those are the times I'm like, yeah, things are a little more complicated here than we, even I'm going, I know it's complex, but sometimes I'm approaching it in a simplistic way because for the viewer's sake, and even then I'm caught off guard in these, in these uh, uh, situations. So that, yeah, that happens every so often. There's always, everyone has a story that somehow like, for example, I mean, this is sort of a little more fringe, but I know people who are half Arab and half Jewish. So, and they're, and they kind of are in one society or the other. And they, can, so yeah, that creates an identity crisis. They kind of have to side with one, which I hate, but it happens. Yeah. Um, and when I mention these stories to people, to other people, they go, oh yeah, yeah, I have a cousin who married somebody in Nablus or somebody in Nablus goes, yeah, 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 we have a neighbor who is a Jew. It, it exists, it's rare, it exists. But so everybody thinks of the other group as being, you know, only that group and it's not really true. And they, or even I remember, oh, another one. Um, I don't even remember what the question was. It was a taxi driver in Nablus and I asked him something about, and it was a hard question. And, oh crap, I don't even remember the question. You think I remember this, this was like six years ago. And his answer was, he gave a story about how uh, during the Intifada, he worked with Jews in Israel uh, as supplier. So he had a store and he would get gum and candy and stuff like that. And uh, he couldn't pay them. So they said they forgave his debts. And I was like, are you sure you want this to be in that? Because it looks really good for the Israeli side. But as a Palestinian, like I told him this after, as a Palestinian, people are going to say you're a traitor for even admitting that, for saying the Jews did really good to me. Like they were really kind to me. Um, and I don't even remember what the original question was, because I don't think it was directly related. And he's like, no, absolutely, put it in, put it in. He's I'm an old man, I don't care. They can say what they want. And so those sort of things, when I hear those stories, the good stuff and sometimes the bad stuff, I hear people tell me awful stories about the other and things that happened to them. Um, they, I, I'm always a little surprised by, uh, uh, by those things because I always think we're, we're very separated. And a lot of times they're sort of, uh, and I'd love to make a movie someday showing the, the strange interrelations of, you know, a, a fictional story, but based on real things that I've heard. 
um, because we are interrelated. We are, we really are. Um, so, and people forget that, everyone forgets that, except for that specific story. And we don't focus on that enough, so. I mean, as of like right now, the conflict's still going. But um, what's your plan once it's done? Do you go back immediately asking questions right away or do you give yourself- Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So, so what's going on now is, uh, look, it happens every so often. Hopefully it won't be long-term. The second Intifada lasted, it got bad. It was about four years long. It was, it was pretty bad. We're hoping this won't be bad because what happened in 2012, for example, was a few weeks and then it just kind of goes back to normal. And three days later, everyone kind of forgets. I mean, they forget and don't forget. So, but it's like days later, it's like it never happened in a sense because people go on with their lives. So yeah, of course I'm going to go back to asking questions. I'm not asking now because not, people aren't on the streets because there's rockets being shot in Israel. Um, and in the West Bank, actually, surprisingly, most of the West Bank is quite calm and normal. But getting to the West Bank, there are some protests along the way, Palestinian protests, so I'm a little afraid that I'll get caught in that somehow. Um, also, when there's something like this going on, people, no matter what you ask, I could ask what is your favorite, favorite food, and they're going to obsess about Gaza, like uh, from one side or the other. So there's not a huge point in asking questions at a time of high stress, unless it's specifically about that conflict, which I try not to ask topical questions in that sense, like meaning I'm not gonna ask exactly about this because by the time I get the video out, it'll be over, chances are. So uh, yeah, but I will go back, yeah, absolutely. I hope so. I mean, I hope people can just chill out about this and. Yeah, I mean, it lives on in the memory. I don't wanna say it's like completely forgotten, but you know, days later, people rebound, they do. They, even in Gaza, people, uh, I don't go to Gaza, so I can't. Um, but uh, people, it's human beings. We, we have to have, our lives have to feel normal, as normal as possible. So we find other things. Yeah. Unfortunately, we still don't have solutions and I wish we did, because that would help a lot. Yeah, I mean, solutions right now just are basically in very, very short supply. All there is is just trade-offs right now. And what, yeah. what trade-offs are people what yeah, and what trade-offs are people willing to make? And as of right now, as an American looking outside into that situation and seeing all the emotions backfired and whatnot, I don't I don't even see too many trade-offs right now with that. I hope I'm wrong. Um we'll see. You never know where it's gonna go and you don't even know what they're talking about behind the scenes. We don't know. Yeah. We hear I, I watch the news every day. Uh, I watch the, I, I check out the Palestinian news. Um, anything can happen. We don't know. It could get worse. It could get better. It could end. It could not. We don't know. It's impossible to know. A, a closing question that I do want to ask, because I have to let you go, because I'm getting very tired now, um, is after a hypothetical question I just thought about right now, after all this is done and over with, do you think Palestinians would just have to come to terms to say like, okay, we've got to open up a little bit more and not be so resentful over what's happened in the past and accept maybe a one state solution? Because to, to me, that seems like a, 
it really just, I know you can't speak for everybody. You can only speak for yourself based on your experiences. But I, I would think with as many Palestinians as you've met, you've met way more than I have. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems obvious that at some point they just got to say like, we, we should just all live together in this country and just be one state. That's the only way we could accept equality. Well, there's a few things here. Let me parse them out. So one thing is uh, Palestinian being future oriented. That's really tough. That's they're very, very stuck in the past, as are the Jews. But uh, the Israelis are because it's a little bit more westernized and because there's there's more of an economy and they have power, obviously. So there is a little bit more future orientation. Absolutely. Palestinians are very, very, very stuck in the past, and it's a pride issue. It's an honor issue. Of, no, there's no future orientation other than going back to Palestine in 1947. This idea of, I, I work at Tel Aviv University. It is built on the ruins of a village which had a couple of hundred people, Sheikh Jarrah. The idea is it has to be leveled, and the village of Sheikh Jarrah has got to go back, period. That is the dominant Palestinian view. So, no that idea of living together. And then there's one state, whether um, neither side wants that, or, or I should, wait, let me rephrase that. Both sides want that, but at the expense of the other. So Israelis want it all to be Israel. Palestinians can live here. We don't really care about them. They could live here, sure, why not? They just can't cause problems, no violence, nothing. They have to be good little, you know, not, not unequals, but not entirely equal. So if you say, I'll give you an example, can then, in, in your idea of, of Israel, can a Palestinian be the prime minister? They would say, oh, no, 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 that's impossible. That's impossible. So that's not true equality. Palestinians is exactly the same thing. It's Palestine. The Jews can stay or they can go back. We don't care. And I'm like, but in your one state, you know that in a one state, I'll get a different example. The Jews of America and France who have a little more money than Israelis will buy up Hebron and Jerusalem. They'll love to buy up Hebron. It's holy to them. And they're like, no, 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 that can't happen. Jew can't actually own property in Palestine. No, 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 not possible, not possible. Then there's a small minority of some, mainly Palestinian intellectuals, some Israeli intellectuals who believe in a one-state solution the way you're thinking about it, like a binational state. It's very, very small group, very, very small. Also, I, my personal opinion on that is we're going to turn into Lebanon if that happens. Because every, each side is so paranoid about the other. That's exactly what's happening now. That they will create these mafia groups. That's exactly what's happening now in Lod and in Akko. The Arabs and the Jews are creating these little groups of gangs going around trying to kill the other. Um, I don't see that happening. I personally think any, the only solution is some kind of two-state-ish solution of could be confederation, it could, I don't care that I don't care about, I don't even care who my neighbor is. I don't care if I have a Palestinian neighbor. I've actually had Palestinian neighbors next door to me. Don't care, doesn't bother me. I'm saying in terms of how the, the, the authorities work, we need a bit of a separation for a while to get over this anger. I don't think even in the long run it would work a one state solution, but if everyone sort of agreed more or less, I'm, I don't care, it doesn't bother me. I would live in a one state, I don't care. Uh, so this isn't my personal, anti one state. I just don't see, I think we're going to turn into Yugoslavia or Lebanon if that were to happen. And that would be even worse. That's my, so those are two different things. One state and Palestinians being future oriented are, are two very different things. Yeah. Actually, and then the Israelis aren't very, I can't really say it's only the Palestinians because the Israelis, we've had no 
uh, um, vision in the Israeli government in years. I mean, that's a, an Israeli criticism of our politicians. There's been no vision. Nobody knows what's, what, what the end goal is for the West Bank or for anything. We all know we don't want Gaza. Both the Palestinians and the Israelis know. Nobody wants Gaza. Nobody wants them. Poor Gaza. Egyptian doesn't want, Egypt doesn't want them. Nobody wants Gaza. What, the West Bank, nobody, nobody has any real vision. It's just a bunch of groups who are vying for, for their own vision of what should happen. And uh, we're stuck. That's a very short, generalized, uh, uh, superficial view, but it's the easiest way of explaining it. I guess to summarize what you said to me is basically, you'd be better off going in at least one direction because you know where you're going rather than being going separated by 10 different directions. I, it depends what the direction is. I mean, I, I believe in a direction which is very humane and good for everyone, um, but you, people have to agree to it. Um, it's, it's fine for me to say we're gonna have one state and no religion, because I don't believe in religion. I think religion is silly, but that's me. I can't force that on, on Muslims and Jews who truly believe that this is real, that their religion is real and, it's, and, and God is on their side. I can't force my, my views on them. I want to, but I can't. So I don't know what that vision is. I mean, the good thing about the status quo is most people are living other than Gaza. Again, Gaza always gets screwed. Even in the West Bank, psychologically, it's not good. But in terms of their day-to-day -day existence, other than some people who live in these conflict areas like Hebron and Sheikh Jarrah and some areas, most people live relatively normal-ish lives. Like I would live in the West Bank. Uh, I would be a Palestinian in the West Bank. It's not great. It's not terrific. But yeah, I would people, yeah, I would move there. I, I wouldn't have as much of an issue, but I'm not a nationalistic person. So the whole Palestinian-ness, the Israeliness, I, I don't really care as long as everyone's safe. I don't care. Yeah. So, but that's me. I have a different view than most people. Kind of a tragedy of the human condition, but I mean, that's why YouTube channels like yours exist. Which I'm thankful for. Honestly, I, I really do enjoy watching your videos so much. Well, come here and uh, I'll take you around. You go around. Go. You can go anywhere and ask people questions. It's very easy. I'm capitalizing on the fact that it's very easy to get around here, and people love to talk. So, I'll definitely, I'll definitely, I'll uh, take you up on that. Corey Gold Schuster of the Ask Project. Thank you for doing this. On such short notice. Thank you. Thank you. I, I hope this ends soon or maybe something positive. Will come. I doubt it, but something positive will, will come out of this and, you know, Gaza will have an easier time in the future. I wish. Corey Joel Schuster and everybody else listening to this podcast of the Uncommon Dialogue. Thank you. Mm -hmm.